The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Just wanted to start out by just telling you a little bit. First of all, I'm speaking today. I'm not your pastor, um, uh, I, but I wanted to tell you a little bit about your pastor. Um, your pastor is a faithful man. He, I've been married to him for 20 years, and he's still standing. <laughs> um, but he is a faithful man of God. He's a faithful father. He's a faithful neighbor. He's a faithful husband. And he is a man of God. And he does not sell out. He, he, the word of God is truth to him. And he lives for the, the Lord. He could do a lot of things. He's very talented. He's, he's very talented. He could do a lot of things, but he cho- chooses to serve the Lord with his whole life. And so I just want to tell you, if you ever wonder, like, is there any... I, I would rat him. I'd be the first person to rat him out if he did something wrong. <laughs> but let me just tell you, he is a man of God. He's a man of God. And so I, I don't get to, to say that too much about him, but he is um, tried and true. And the, he's certainly been through... We've been through a lot of tests... And um, he is faithful, and he stood. So can we just give him a round of applause? And once in a blue moon, he gets a day off. And so I, I don't really know if this is a day off. He's not teaching. If you want to hear him teach, he's an amazing teacher, very knowledgeable about the word, but lives the word. So come back next week if this is your first time. But anyway, I'm going to just start out and just to tell you, um, I, like I said, I'm his wife. We have five kids, and um, we have a bit, very busy life. But it is, um, we, we have chosen to serve the Lord with our whole life. Um, I went back to Texas a couple of weekends ago to do a, a women's conference. And at the women's, on, on the way there, Macy and I rode together, and uh, Kennedy took a, a separate plane, but we... Macy wanted to sit by the window. I wanted to sit on the aisle, so we had a space in between us, and God put this Muslim girl. And so we got to just talk to her, and Macy was very curious about the Muslim faith, as was I, quite frankly, because I've never really spent a lot of time studying the Muslim faith. But the the interesting thing is, is Macy looked at her, and she said, you don't believe in Jesus? She said, well, I do believe in Jesus, but I don't believe he's the Son of God. And she said, why not? And then we went on to begin to ask about her faith, and, and I began to tell her about ours, and I actually had already witnessed to her before we even got to start talk about the Muslim faith. And um, it was just amazing. She said to me, yeah, our, our, um, our husbands, you know, the, um, the Quran is a very peaceful book. And I said, really? I said, but can't your husband beat you? She said, yeah, but it's just a light beating. Okay. She said, and it's only if we're not praying enough. Well, that would not make me want to pray more, right? I'm, I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, like what in the world? What in the world kind of religion? And I don't know if you know this, but Muslim women are, are not even, they're, they're not even supposed, they don't go to heaven or they don't go wherever Muslims go. They don't, they don't get to participate in a relationship with God. Really, they get to serve their husbands. And so, although that might sound dreamy for husbands out there, to, to not be able to have a relationship with your Lord and Savior. So, you know, we, um, we, we're, we're so privileged and honored that we get, we were born in a country that worships the Lord, or that, that did. 
We're, we're born in a country where um, our faith can be expressed. But I'm going to tell you, and this is not where I, I intended to go, but we've got to fight for that faith. And we have to stand up. If we are silent, it will be taken away from us. Maybe not our faith, but certainly our right to worship. So anyway, um, I watched a, a, a documentary not too long ago. And um, it was about the fastest growing church in the, in the world. And ironically, it was Muslim women in Iran that are sharing the gospel. They are taking the gospel to underground to other Muslim women and other men, and they are sharing the gospel, and it is the fasting-growing movement in the nation. Is that amazing? And this documentary, and I'm, it's called Sheep Among Wolves, and it said that th- this is, it says, what if I told you that the best evangelist for Jesus was the Ayatollah Khomeini? An Iranian church leader asked, he, he maintains the Ayatollah brought the true face of Islam to a light and discovered it was a lie, a deception. After 40 years of Islamic law, a utopian, according to, the, according to them, they had the worst devastation in, in 5,000 years. And what, they, what the, um, it goes on to say is that everything is founded in prayer that they do. Every time they go out. Now, when they go out... If they get caught, they will be raped, they will be beaten, and they will be killed. There is no trial. There is no somebody coming to their defense. That is the consequence. And yet they say that is a small price to pay. It is a small price to pay to spread the gospel and to get to spend eternity with Jesus. And I think of the faith that these women have, and and men too, Muslim men as well, are sharing the gospel, but really the women are taking the lead. The women who don't even, who who have been told all their life that they have no worth, that if they don't pray enough, they can be beaten or killed or tossed aside. These are the women that have found Jesus Christ, but what they've also found is that the, the Jesus is meeting these people before he sends these women to them. And there's a man in white waking Muslim people up in the middle of the night and saying, I love you. I've come for you. And then they send these Muslim, Jesus sends these Muslim women in and these Muslim men to go and share the gospel and to tell the truth. And it is a discipleship movement. It's not a convert movement. And there's a big difference because converts run away when there's persecution, but disciples our, our disciples of Christ stay through the end. There is, I mean, you, you think about the people in the, in, the, in the Bible that were true, true disciples. They died for their faith. I know um, Pastor Russell the, uh, a couple of weeks ago talked about the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, and how that man stood and watched every single child and why his wife die and be shot and said, I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. This is a faith church that should witness to us. This is a, cha- a chance, an invitation today for more, for the more of God. You know, um, I, I grew up in the South, most of you know. And um, I grew up in the Bible Belt, 
everybody I ever knew went to church. Everybody I ever knew was probably Baptist, quite frankly. And everybody I, I knew, we all, we all believed in Jesus, and we just were all going along. But I saw things that were contrary to the Word of God. And I would go into Sunday school, and I'd hear red and yellow, black and white, and I'd think, but we're all white. Why is that? And I would hear things like, we're supposed to love our neighbor, and we're supposed to do this, but yet we, we could get in the car, and, and gossip would begin. And it was, I, I just wondered what in the world, that what I read in the Bible was what, not what I was seeing. And so I went on this quest in life to be able to try to understand, and, and nor did I see it in myself. I was just right along on that same train. But nor did I see it in myself. I saw, I saw contradiction. I saw, I read, in, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. I read in Galatians 5.1 that it was for freedom that Christ set us free. And I think, I'm not free. I'm still plagued. I, I, I am not a new creation. I'm dragging my old creation around, and that, that old girl's a lot quicker than the new girl. And so she gets to speak up a lot faster than the new one does. And I began to, to, to ask God, what is it? And as I was asking God, he, he showed me Romans 12, 1 through 2. And it's become a life verse for me, one of my many, I'll confess. I have a lot of favorites. But it, it, it says, if any man is in new Christ, he is, no, it does not say that. It says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what God's good and pleasing will is. And what I found out was that I had conformed to the pattern of the church rather than being transformed by the power of God and by renewing my mind. The message says it this way, which I think is great. So here's what what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around, and place it before God as an offering. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation says it like this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and perfect and pleasing will. To be transformed is to live as a new creation. And what I don't want today is this to be some kind of condemnation of, oh my gosh, I think I'm, I'm a conformer. But I want you to hear an invitation from Jesus. I want you to hear an invitation to so much more than you ever thought church could actually be. I want you to hear an invitation that God is asking us. You know, years ago, and I'm dating myself, but there was a commercial that said, come closer, come closer. You guys, anybody remember that? Am I the oldest person? And then, they'd be go, and then the girl would say, it was a hair commercial. And she'd be like, close enough. And, but God never says, close enough. Do you know the story in the Bible where the man had too much faith? Because there's not one. There is not one. God is calling us to walk 
in a manner of faith. He's inviting us to meet with him face to face. The book, the, the, the stories in the Bible are not just stories, they're truth, but they're also an invitation for us to experience what Moses experienced. Moses went up and met with God face to face. And I'll tell you what, once you experience the goodness of God and you're in an intimate relationship with him, nothing else matters. And that is the invitation. Stopping short of that is conforming to the church. Because the average churchgoer goes to church about twice a month. That's crazy. It's because we're busy. It's because the culture. But God is inviting us in to a relationship. And we don't go to church to get fed. We should be eating all week long. We go to church to rally together. We go to church to worship together. We go to church to hear our pastor give us a word and give us direction so that we can go out the rest of the six days a week and change the world. Everywhere our foot treads, we usher in his presence, his power, his love, his grace, his mercy, or else we're worried about our food or social media or whatever else, whatever else, distraction. So back to the story about the Muslim women. There was a Muslim woman that finally they got papers to come and move to the United States. She was here for two months, and she told her husband, I want to go back. And he said, I beg your pardon. And she said, no, I want to go back. There is a sleepiness that is over America. And I would rather risk my life every day when I walk outside rather than becoming sleepy and distracted. Church, it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to come alive. It's time for us to answer the invitation to more. Again, there is no condemnation, no shame, no shoulds here. But an invitation, Jesus is inviting each and every one of us, come, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So I know I've said this before, and forgive me if you're so tired of hearing this, but the way I read my Bible is I, I highlight the commands of God in orange, and I highlight the promises of God in green, and who God is in yellow, and who I am in pink, and that's how I read my Bible, because that's all that really matters, is who he says I am, who he is, what he says for me to do, and what he's going to promise to do if I do that, and so that's how I read my Bible, and I have found that after every command of God, there is a promise, A fourth of our Bibles are promises. There's 7,400 promises in the Word of God. God is not calling you to be religious and shut your life down. He is calling you in a relationship to open your life wide up. He made you exactly like you are. He wants you to be. He doesn't want you to look like me or Pastor Brian or anybody else. He wants you to be the you that he created, but you can't do it if you're not transformed. So I want to just um, ask a couple of questions. And this is just kind of a little transformation checklist. First, do I truly seek to pattern my life after Jesus and the word of God rather than the culture or my personal desires? Second, do I clothe myself in virtues that model Jesus, or do I dress myself in attitudes that reflect my culture? Do I truly desire to be the person God designed me to be, not my culture's caricature of me or an idealistic version of me? 
sorry for the delay. Do I hunger to know Jesus more than I hunger for any other knowledge, status, comfort, achievement, or achievement? Am I willing to proclaim what God has done for me wherever I am and to whomever he places in my path? If we are truly transformed, our life looks completely different. If we are truly transformed, everybody in our life, their lives will be different. And again, this is not condemnation. This is an invitation so I want to take the first part of Romans 12, 1 and 2, um, and just and, and go over each part of it. First of all, the first part is a command. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And to conform means to adopt the form of those around you. And I'll tell you, again, growing up in the Bible Belt and growing up in the South, people, I saw people conform to the pattern of the church. And what that does is make legalism. Because rules without intimacy, without relationship, equals legalism. And so in order to be able to to do the things, yes, we, we are called to obey. Yes, God's word protects us if we obey it. Yes, God's word, the reason that he tells us to do things is to protect us and to keep us in, within blessing and under his covering. Because any time we walk outside of God's word, we're saying, you know what? Talk to the hand. Whether it be in our finances, whether it be in church attendance, whether it be in sharing the gospel, what it is, we're, we're saying, no, God, in this area, I know more than you. You know, and I have that conversation with my teenagers sometimes. They're like, well, this is different, because I'm like, okay, so you're saying you know more than God. No, I didn't say, no, but you are if you're doing things outside of his word. Again, his word is to protect us. His word is because he wants to bless his children. And, it, and when we become... When we conformed, we say, okay, I'm not going to be like the world. Now I'm just going to go into the church. I'm going to be like them. Don't be like us. Be better. Be like Jesus. All of us, our quest should be to be like Jesus, not to be like each other. Because, you know what? I was looking at some statistics, and I was, I was going to share them. I sent them to Pastor Brian, and then I was like, oh, I'm not going to share those. They're too depressing. But 17% of Christians serve in church. What is that? We've got, out of, I think, 39% of Christians go to church. The rest of them don't. So if we conform to the patterns of the church, we're going to dwindle ourselves down to nothingness. And the thing about it is, is when we conform to the patterns of the church, then we want other people. And this is where we get religiosity and legalism. I had a friend who, she came from church on the way, and um, she was called into a more conservative church. Her husband got a job there. And so she, they told her, they said, you know, we want you to wear skirts to your knees. And even if you're outside your house, because they lived on the property of the church, she said, even if they're outside your house, we want you to have a skirt on. And she was like, how am I going to do this, Christy? I, I, I don't want to do this. I'm like, I don't know. Can you get another job? No, I'm kidding. All right. Um, and so two weeks later, she came to me. And she said, you got to pray for me. She said, I'm now judging everybody that doesn't wear a skirt. But that's what, what conforming does. Conforming says, if I have to, you have to too. Right? But when we're transformed, we get to. We get to move in a place with God that we, that we get to. It's like the woman at the well. 
she was transformed, right? The demoniac, transformed. The woman at the well, she, she, she was outcasted. The reason that she was out there getting water at that time was so that she wouldn't see anybody. But what did she do the moment that she met Jesus face to face? She ran back to that town. She didn't care less what they thought about her anymore. She's like, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Who says that? Except for somebody who's transformed. And so all of my encouragement today is to don't stop. Don't stop at being conformed. Yes, we tithe. But, but let it come from a place of, of all your finances belong to God anyway. Yes, we come to church. But don't do it because everybody else does. Do it because you know you have a purpose and that God has transformed your life. And so the invitation is to come and meet face-to-face with God. Don't get in a place where we're safe here. Speak with God when you wake up. Speak with God. He's waiting for you. He's not going to condemn you if you don't. But you're missing the most important part of life if you're not being transformed. And how are we transformed? The second part of this verse is, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. This is the invitation. This is the invitation for a relationship with your creator. When I stood at the altar and married Brian, I said, I love you, and I vowed my life to him. But I still need to say that every day. I don't do my whole vows. I don't think anything weird. But... I still need, if I just said, no, 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 remember there, we got married, we're, we're fine. We were fine. I said that one-time vow, I'm married to you for the rest of my life. No, but a relationship is talking every day. It's relating. And the same goes with God. If we have this one-time prayer where, we're, where we say yes, and we have fire insurance from, to, from hell, but we never enter into the relationship Everything you are ever looking for is in a relationship with Jesus. You may think it's something, oh, if it was just this or if it was that, or if I could have a bigger house or a smaller house or have a husband or not have a husband, whatever it is, it's, it's a relationship with Jesus, and it comes through a renewing of your mind. And, how, and what does that look like? That looks like because you say so. It looks like reading the Word of God and saying, no. Because the word of God says this, I'm going to do it. The kids over there in, uh, are learning. By the way, I wanted to shout out to Angie because she is our children's director and she's doing an amazing job. They are learning in a six-week a six lesson about the armor of God. And today they're talking about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I think I have a picture for the screen. I'm the, I'm the guy in the air. Um, <laughs> You remember how kids always do that? They always have to pick out who they are. Um, But the sword of the spirit, and I was talking to somebody the other day, and she said, I don't know why I experienced so much warfare. I said, so you you can learn to use the sword. Imagine if you were a sword fighter, and all you did was just sword fight in the air, right? How would you, you be able to use? But it's resistance, and that's why the Bible says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because you get to get out that sword and go, "Uh uh-uh, don't think so, devil. You can back off because the word of God says that no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And the word of God says that the righteous will never be forsaken, but their children will never go begging for bread. Uh-uh. 
right? That we're able, but if we don't know the word of God, we're not going to be able to use our sword. So we're swordless. And let me just tell you, we're not going to heaven to take a test. It's not what we know, but what we use. If you know two verses and you use them, it's better than knowing the whole Bible and not using any, right? But this is what it is. And it looks like it is, it says wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to life. It looks like a very narrow option. Oh, now she wants me to go and not only do I have to get up early and read the Bible or meet with God, now I've got to memorize scripture. No, it's not that. Conforming is have to. Transformation is get to. It's an invitation for freedom. You know, this, the, uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Take every thought captive. Take every thought captive into the obedience of the word of God. It's saying, you know what? This doesn't line up with the word of God, so I will no longer believe it. The, the Bible is, is it's, it's an active word. It's not a, a, a subtle word. It's not a, a, a nice suggestions. It's not passive. It's active. It says take every thought captive. It says beat your body into submission. You, you, we all got up and we beat our bodies into submission so that we could get dressed and come to church, right? We got an extra an hour, but we had to still beat our bodies, right? It's doing what you don't want to do, but, but like the disciples, when they, Jesus said, put your nets on the other side, there's fish there. And they said, you know what, we really tried that, but okay, because you said so. But the more we obey God, the more we'll see his goodness in our life. Like Isaac was saying earlier, it's, it's, but, but if we don't know him, and if we have conformed to the church, or if we're still conforming to the ways of the world, we won't see freedom. And then you know what we say? Oh, I tried that. I tried God. But if you have not been transformed by the renewing of your mind, you know, the word repent, it means change the way you think. It doesn't mean you're so bad and you should walk away and say you're sorry. It means change the way you think. Don't think like that anymore. Because that's thinking in the natural mind. But Jesus Christ has transformed the world with his word. Your life will be transformed when you line your words up with heaven. And when you, you know, to me, I used to be what I would call a realist. And I would call a spade a spade. Like, I'd like oh, you know what, that person's, you know, we, you know it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. And then I used to, our, our pastor before we started the church, he would always say something really bad would go wrong, and he'd be like, this is good. And I'd be like, no, it's not, it's bad. And he would say, no, it's good. But I realized he was trusting God, because God works all things to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? So Romans 8.28, he was just using his sword. I'm over there not knowing what he's doing until a while I realized, oh my goodness, he just believes God's word. But see, I had never seen that before. I had seen people who went to church, could talk the talk, could memorize the scripture, but when push came to shove, they were fearful, they were afraid. They, they, were, they were living by fear because being, when you're conformed, you live by fear, and you try to make every decision that you have based on fear. But when you're transformed, you live by faith. And you go, you know what, God, this is a big, giant mess, but I can't see, wait to see what you do with it. And you're able to laugh at the days to come. Because that's what transformation does. 
You know, when, um, when Jesus was with the disciples and he was talking to the woman at the well and they'd gone on and they came back and they said, oh my gosh, like, why is he talking to her? And they said, come on, we, we, you got to get something to eat. And he said, I have food to eat that you know not of. And they said, did he call Uber Eats? What happened? Like, I, we missed it. And, and he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Church, if you are not being fed, you are not doing the will of God. If you think there is anything more than doing his will that will satisfy, I encourage you to answer his invitation today to be transformed. You know what? And transformation is not, now i got to go and do this, because being conformed is about control. Being transformed is about surrendering. It's saying, you know what, God? You know more than I do. I was, I was kind of going over in my head, like, my resume versus God's resume. And I was like, okay, went to college. Okay, that really should be on God's resume because he had my dad pay for college, and he had me grow up in a family where they said, you have to go to college. And so, okay, that really goes over there. Okay, well, I had five kids. Okay, that was on my call. Mm, no, actually, that goes on God's call. There, I haven't done anything. I came up with that solution. I, I wake up by the grace of God. Everything we are, the only reason that God has us here is, is to share his love, his grace, his mercy. Years ago, I wrote a song that I won't sing, but it says, when every knee will bow and every tongue confess, will you look around and wonder what you missed? We're going to all, when Jesus comes back, you know, he came as a, lion, as a lamb, but he's coming back as a lion. And when every knee, Muslim, atheist, agnostic, whatever, Buddhist, it won't matter. Every creature on earth is going to bow. Not because he says bow, but because when something is so great as Jesus Christ, when he comes back, we won't have a choice. Every cell, every living thing will bow to the creator. And I don't want a one of us to say, I missed it. I conformed to the church but I never really got to know him. There'll be no more time to go back and get your neighbors. There'll be no more time to tell people, he is good, look, he told me everything I ever did. There'll be no more time. I don't want people from hell screaming my name, Christy, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you love me enough? I want people, I want to take as many people with me as possible. But it goes back to transformation because I can't do it in my own strength. It goes back to sharing, sharing the goodness of God, but first allowing ourselves to be fully transformed, to, be, to, to say, not my will, but yours be done. The last part of the verse is, then you will know his good and perfect and pleasing will. This is a promise. How many of you would love to know the will of God for the rest of your life? Amen. I, I would like love to do it. And he's like, I'm not telling you because you're going to run ahead of me and go do it. But we'll know his will when we walk with him every day. This is an invitation to walk with him every single 
day to let his word renew you, to let him change you. I'm not saying to go out and tell everybody about Jesus because you have to. There's no shoulds in transformation. There's, there's, there's a faith fueled for the, for the love of Christ compels, constrains, controls us. It rules us. It guides us. When we have that relationship face to face, there's nothing beyond that. There's, no, there's nothing else that is, will fulfill you like having a relationship, a real relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, Matthew twelve thirty says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. In the New Living Translation, it says, Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me. Notice it didn't say anyone who's not going to church. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually against me. I'm here to tell you, church, that we are invited into something so much greater than you could ever ask for or imagine. Statistics show that less than one, or I think it's, it's less than 2% of people actually ever lead anybody to Jesus in their lifetime. What is the church doing? We have the answer. We have the cure to cancer. If a rattlesnake was wrapping its, its, itself around, I know the rattlesnakes don't wrap around your leg, but whatever, a coat or whatever, a boa constrictor, you would all tell me. There's not a one of you. You'd interrupt everything to tell me, hey, you're in danger. But yet we let people walk by. We let drug addicts walk by. We've allowed on our watch marijuana to be legalized. It's dangerous. It's a gateway drug. It's not an argument. It's a fact. We've allowed our children and to, to go into premarital sex and, and to not stand for them and to say, no, this isn't good for you. We've got so many, we've got so many girls having babies without fathers that are sticking around. All this has happened on our watch. We've been studying Deborah and just enjoying Deborah. Deborah was a judge um, in the times when women didn't have a whole lot of clout. Um, in 1200 BC, before Christ. And yet, Deborah was a judge. And it says that everything was basically out of control. It says village life had, had ceased. Public roads were abandoned. I combined a few verses because I liked it. That's the amplified according to Christie. Public roads were abandoned. Travelers were back, went by back roads. Warriors became fat and sloppy. No fight left in them. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose. Until I rose as a mother of Israel. You know, I've talked before that there is a, in the great cloud of witnesses in the hall of faith, there are, they are all waiting on us. We were born for such a time as this. They are waiting on us to finish our race so that they can get their reward. We are the mothers and fathers, the spiritual mothers and fathers of this city. We need to pray up, church. We need to first answer the invitation for more, for a relationship, for transformation, allowing God to transform us into his image. 
And then we need to pray up, and every single day we walk out the door, say, God, give me a desire to do this. Give me a desire. Show me who to talk to. I'm telling you, once you lead somebody to Christ, you are hooked. There is no high like the most high. You will never go back because sharing the gospel with somebody and seeing lives transformed, everything else pales in comparison. Cars, money, houses, whatever, achievements, fame, nothing compares to seeing one soul. That's why yesterday was so profound because Teen Challenge works on transformation. They don't try to convert girls. And God was transforming them. And they were going from glory to glory, getting freedom. These girls have killed babies. They've killed their husbands. They've shot. They've, they've done everything that you can imagine. And yet they are so grateful for their faith that they will never be the same. Because they have met the one who paid the price. Church, I, I want to invite us this morning. I want to invite us to be the change that we want to see. I want to invite us to, as 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And you know, most of us in the room, we probably don't have a lot of wicked ways. But as we see, not even when we don't work with Jesus, We're not doing the will of God. We are not obeying the word of God. When we are distracted, when we're sleepy, you know, when we are not trusting God, when we're living in fear, we're still still doing things in our own strength. And, you know, quite frankly, Brian and I, we we were super capable, love Jesus, but we had three kids, and we were going along, and we thought, you know what? We kind of get this. Like, we get this. We didn't know what we were doing, but we were like, okay, you know, we have a church, and the church is full. And then we had this little boy named Micah, and he gets the flu, swine flu. And he becomes unable to move his arms and legs, and they stiffen up. And we take him to doctors and doctors and doctors, and Everybody tells us something different. And then finally, one doctor had the gumption to just finally just spit it out. And he said, you know what? We can't diagnose your son. And I, and I know for me, and, and I'm sure for Brian too, all the oxygen goes out of your body. But at that moment, we had a choice. We could say, God, we are serving you. We are doing everything in our power And we get this, a little boy who can't even feed himself? Or we could say, I'm going to find out what you say about this. What does the word of God say? I don't want to hear from any doctor. Doctors told me we know less than 10% of the brain, and we're the top neurologists in the world. We know less than 10% of the brain. And in my mind, I thought, well, we know less than 10% of God, so we're probably even. But I went to the word of God. And I said, you know what? What do you say? Because that's what I believe. And I will not walk by sight. 
through this trial. I will walk by faith because I believe you, even though I see nothing of the sort. I still see nothing of the sort, but my eyes are on the prize. My eyes are on Jesus Christ, and he says that he heals, and I believe him, and it's up to him 110%. I can't do it, but he is faithful. But church, it's time. It's time that we rise up. It's time as the mothers and fathers of this city that we rise up. But first, we have to answer the invitation for more. We have to answer the invitation to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, to be transformed by the renewing of mind. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, If you've never said, I believe you are the Son of God, I want you to come forward. Pastor Brian and I are going to pray with you. And you know, some people say it's really awkward to go forward, but I think if you're going to make the biggest decision you'll ever make in your entire life, Jesus deserves that. And we're going to stand with you. We'll ask Tom as well to come up, our elders, our prayer team. We want to stand with you. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.